Well, good morning, church. How are you? Oh, it's so good to see you guys and your smiling, beautiful faces this morning. Hey, in case we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Will Pinnell, and I have the honor of serving as senior minister here at Grace, and it is so good to be here and to be able to bring the word of the Lord to you this morning. Uh, if this is your first time, we just want to say welcome. We're glad that you're here to worship with us. Um, if this is your first time or if you've been coming for a bit and you want to get plugged in or to learn more about what we believe, what we do here, there's a phone number that I just want to encourage you to te- bring out your phone real quick and text the word welcome to that phone number and it's just a great way to get in touch with us. But you're here on a fantastic Sunday as we're actually going to start talking a lot more about what we believe and why and and all kinds of good stuff for a brand new sermon series. I'm really excited about that. So we're glad that you're here, and we're going to dive in. I don't know if you're aware or not, but there are over 4,000 different religions across the globe. Now, not just denominations of Christianity, 4,000 different religions that worship a a different God, have, have different basic foundation principles that they follow in their faith, and in Christianity, when we, when we talk about Christianity, there are over 40,000 to 45,000 different denominations. And other different religions are similar where they'll have kind of different, different sects, different um, groups within each different religion. So when you're, when you're coming to faith and we're just talking about faith, it's really hard to look at every religion and denominations and, and talk about what they believe and why they believe it. And it can be a bit overwhelming to say the least. When we look at Christianity, for example, and the forty to 45,000 different denominations within Christianity, a lot of them might be some cultural differences, that it looks so different because what we do in America to worship God is very different from what happens in China as they worship God. And so it might not be belief differences or doctrine differences, but, but cultural differences. So I looked up and tried to find how many different denominations are just in America And what I found was just the top 100 different denominations. And it listed how many churches there were and how many members that they report having in each of the 100 top 100 denominations within Christianity just in America. And if you're new to faith or if you're trying to figure out your faith, even 100 can be very overwhelming. But let's also just be honest that just just in this road, on Atley Road right up here, you can go from one end of the road to the other end of the road and you pass 12 different churches. And probably there are close to 100 different churches within a drivable radius of where you live. And so why this church? Why Christianity? Why this particular denomination within Christianity? Why, Why our church and not the church down the road? Why not a church that's online? In the last couple years, every church in America has gone online and has an online campus, which we are very grateful and thankful. We love our online community. And I know there's a lot of debate whether it's a real campus and can you really be plugged into a church when it's you're online only? And we've decided to keep our online services going because we believe that you can. And we're still trying to figure out what that looks like. About a a couple decades ago, anybody remember this new thing called MySpace? How many of you still have a MySpace? Nobody. Okay. Not long after MySpace, Facebook came. 
right? Everybody has a Facebook. It seems like everybody has a Facebook at least. There's a small handful of people. How about this? Who doesn't have a Facebook page? Okay, there's a few. There's a few. That's awesome. (laughs) With the rise of MySpace and Facebook came Instagram and Twitter and online dating and a whole new world of what can happen online. But what it showed us is that community can happen online. And we're not trying to be Facebook, we're not trying to be Instagram or another social media place, but what it showed us is that there are tools, there are resources, it provides a way for people to find community online. And so if that's possible, then then maybe we can do better. And that's what we're trying to do with our online host and people are there to engage online. So church we church online, we encourage you to, to chat and to engage because we are supposed to be in a faith community. We are supposed to be connected with brothers and sisters in Christ. And so whether you're sitting in person and, and only being a passive observer or you're sitting on your couch and being a passive observer, that's not what Christianity is about. And so we want you to engage and that can happen in person, that can happen online. And so when we think about how many churches are available for you to go to just in our community and then in the addition to online, it can be very overwhelming So why this church? Why this denomination? And over the next few weeks, we're going to start this brand new sermon series today called Building Faith. And we're going to look at some key key beliefs, key doctrines, theology. We're we're going to dive into some of the stuff of what we believe as Christianity, as as a religion. We're going to dive into what we believe here at the church, at Grace. We're going to dive into a few of the things of of what our non-denomination denomination believes that we associate ourselves with the restoration movement. And we're going to dive into some of those things. So if you got drug here and you have no faith in God at all and a coworker invited you and you just thought you'd check things out, this is going to be a fantastic series for you to be a part of and for you to be here for and, and learn what, what this faith thing is all about. If you're new to the area and you're trying to find a a church home, this is going to be a great series for you to be a part of as you find out what we believe and come for six weeks, get a really good idea of, of who we are as a church. It'll be fantastic. If you've been coming here for a long time, you've been a Christian for a long time, and you've been waiting for that opportunity opportunity to get mad at the preacher and throw something at him, this is that series for you. And I say that partially in in joking but the things that we're going to be talking about over the next six weeks they're they're going to be hard things to talk about and they're going to hit close to home and there's going to be a lot of things that we talk about that you're going to wish i I wished he would emphasize this a little bit more i wish he would emphasize that a little less and i'm not going to make everybody happy and i promise i'm not going to try to stir anything up I'm going to try my best to stay rooted in Scripture. And that can be very difficult to do when we talk about some of these doctrines and some of these beliefs. And I'll explain why. I'll give you, I'll give you two examples. Um, we believe deeply in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Holy Spirit inside of us, the power of the Spirit of God that rose Jesus from the dead. Like We believe in an incredible Spirit of God. That is powerful. Several years ago, though, there came a movement called the Pentecostal movement. And they really kind of, they overemphasized the role of the Holy Spirit. 
In fact, one author said that their, uh, their approach to the Holy Spirit was worshiping the Holy Spirit instead of God. And that the Holy Spirit's role, according to Scripture, is to point to God, not be worshipped as God, even though the Holy Spirit's part of God. And we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. And so what we've done as a restoration movement in response to the Pentecostal movement is that we've, we've tried to downplay the role of the Holy Spirit. We don't talk about the Holy Spirit that much. We don't talk about some spiritual gifts. And, and so it's not because of anything in Scripture, but it's because of outside Influences that we have responded to a particular doctrine and theology in a, in a certain way. Another example of this is baptism. We're going to talk about baptism a couple times over the next few weeks. But I'll never forget something that my mentor years ago told me as I was doing an internship up in Lexington, Kentucky. He said that in his experience, what he's found with, with Christians who believe in God... That most of the time, or at least a lot of the time in his experience, what is keeping people from being baptized is nothing in this book. But it's the fact that their parents or a close loved one has passed away and was not baptized. And so in their mind, either consciously or unconsciously, because of this, their loved one who's no longer here and they weren't baptized, there's a peace that they, they feel in their soul that if I'm baptized, if I believe that I need to be baptized then what am I saying about my loved one who I've lost? Am I condemning them to hell? Are they going to be in hell because they weren't baptized? And so it's nothing to do with this book, but it's our own personal experiences. And if we're not really careful, we can let outside influences, we can let our personal experiences dictate our doctrines and theology. So I'm going to try really, really hard through this series to set those aside and look at Scripture and see what scripture has to say. And I'm sure that at some point along the way, you're going to have some questions. You're going to be curious about some things and how I said something, what I meant by it. And I'm going to try my best to be careful. But, but if you do, can I just encourage you to do one thing? Let's talk about it. Let's grab some coffee. Let's sit, let's sit down. Let's, let's talk about what doesn't make sense. Because I, I got 30 minutes I got less than that now. Eric said he was going to add a timer that's, that's counting down, and then when I get to zero, it's going to count up in red. And, and I, I don't know if I can do that through this series. This, there's just not enough time. But I am very limited in what we can talk about today. So if this is something, life group leaders, if you want to dive into this a little bit more as we go through this series, I want to encourage you to do, do so, and I can help get you some resources. If you have questions, though, just... Come talk to me, and I'd love to buy you a cup of coffee or a cup of tea or something, and, and we'll talk about it. What we're going to do is use this imagery of a house as we talk about building faith. And I feel like there's some parallels in the, the bones and the structure of a house that will do us well in, in talking about faith. What we're going to do for the first couple weeks is start with the foundation we got to make sure the house, the foundation of a house is right because if it's off, the whole house is off, right? So the foundation is crucial to building a house, and the foundation to what we believe about God is also very crucial. And that's where we're going to start today. In the next couple weeks, then we're going to go into some doctrines and theologies that, that we believe that are important, but maybe not quite as important as the foundational truths we're going to talk about first. 
And so we're going to talk about some doctrines and theologies and some of the walls in a home, some of the walls are structural, right? They hold up the roof. They support the rest of the building. But then there's some other walls that are, well, they're, they're cosmetic. They're, they're optional. You can knock a wall down and the whole house is not going to fall in. And sometimes we've built some doctrines and theologies that are important and are good. They serve a purpose, but they're not critical to the faith. And then we're going to get to the roof. I'm really excited about the roof, guys. When we talk about the roof, we're going to talk, to, talk about some traditions. We're going to talk about some traditions in the faith that have been traditions since the early church. And then we're going to talk about some traditions that might be a little bit more personal preference. Every house needs a roof, but there are many different types of roof that you can use. So I'm really excited for this series, and I want to encourage you to come back for the next five weeks after today as we dive into it. And today we're going to start, we're going to start with the foundation, the foundation to faith, the foundation to what we believe. And this is, the, these things I'm going to mention today are probably the most critical pieces, not just of our denomination, but of Christianity as a whole. These are the things that if I, if I misspeak, if I ever speak against these things, I'm going to have an elder call me in the afternoon and say, hey, we need to have your resignation by the end of the day. These are the things that are crucially essential to faith. These are the things that if anyone believes these, I'll consider them a brother, and, brother or sister in Christ. But if we can't agree on these, then, then we believe in a different God. It changes who God is and the God that we're talking about so much that it's just not trying to be rude and saying someone's not a brother and sister in Christ, but it's just not the same God that we're talking about. And so I'm just going to mention a few of the, uh, a couple of these this morning that are absolutely essential to faith. And the first one being, it might sound a bit simple, but the first one being there is one God. There is one God. This is what Moses talked about in the very beginning as we give credit for, to Moses for writing Genesis. Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, God. Right? In the beginning, God. And this is so critical that, that there is one God. It was in the singular. When Moses was writing this, that there was a polytheistic culture everywhere around that they worship many gods. You think about all the Egyptian gods that you might have learned about in school years ago, right? They had a God for the sun and a God for the Nile and a God for this and a God for that. And then Moses comes and he says, no, no, no. Let me tell you about the one true God who created the heavens and the earth, created the invisible and the visible. There is one God. Paul puts it this way in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, there is one body, one spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Do you get the point, church? There is one God. There is one. It is the basic foundation of our faith that there is one God. Now, it does get a little confusing because we also believe in a trinity. The word trinity is not seen anywhere in Scripture, but the idea of this trinity is that we serve one God who exists in three forms. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And many people over the years have, have tried a whole lot of different ways to explain this in a way that makes sense and there are a lot of papers that are way over my head as they've written to understand the Trinity and the idea of one God in three forms. 
One of the ideas that I, I enjoy the most, I think makes a lot of sense, is the idea of water. Right? Water is H2O, and water doesn't change. Water is, is water, H2O, but it exists as a gas, liquid, and solid. And it has different purposes, different functions as each type, as each, in each form, as liquid, gas, and, and solid. Uh, one person, uh, a couple people try to explain it as the, the mind, the body, and the soul. In trying to understand this idea of the Trinity. There's another example I heard years ago as a kid in youth group at a week of church camp. This idea of a pretzel. I don't know what a pretzel is made of, but they spin it in a way that makes three holes. And if you take one of those holes away, you get a broken pretzel. You have part of a pretzel, but you don't have a whole pretzel. And in a similar way, if we try to take a piece of God away... We don't really have an idea of who God is. It's an incomplete picture of God because he exists as one God in three forms. as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So we have to start with that foundational truth that there is one God. The second foundational truth that I want to mention this morning uh, focuses on God the Son. And that is that Jesus is both fully God and fully man. And this is one that's really hard for our human minds to understand how you can be 200% because that doesn't make sense. But, but Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. John chapter 1 verses 1 to 3 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. And as John continues, what he points out is that when he says the word, he's talking about Jesus. He's talking about God the Son. And God, and that Jesus, God the Son, is God. He was there in the beginning, and, and he is God. He, he says in John chapter 10, verse 30, I and the Father are one. John eight fifty eight. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And you remember back in Exodus when God appeared to Moses in the burning bush. Moses asked, who do, I, who do I say sent me? He says, I am who I am. Right? This I am was God's name that he gave Moses to tell his people. And, and Jesus says, I, I am. That's who I am. I am. And we have so many stories throughout Scripture that talk about Jesus' divinity. Talk about his divine nature, that he is God. They didn't really emphasize his humanity a ton. They saw him. They, they gave him a hug. They touched the clothes he was wearing as you know, the woman was healed from, from being sick for so long. There were times where we see his humanity come through, but... They never thought to really document and emphasize his humanity because he was as real to them as, as you are to me. And as I am to you, the, his humanity was never something really emphasized. But I think the best example of his humanity also happened in the cross, in the death and resurrection of Jesus. With, which also brings me to the third point that I want to mention this morning. We're going to kind of hit both of these at the same time. Is that Jesus physically died and he physically resurrected. He physically died and he physically came back to life. In John chapter 19, as Jesus is hanging on the cross, do you remember what happens at the moment he passes? 
Darkness came over, the ground started to shake, storms started coming, and, and the Roman soldiers were terrified. So much so that they wanted to hurry up the, the crucifixion process. And so they broke the legs of both of the, the thieves, the people that were being crucified with Jesus. And they got to Jesus and they're like, man, he, he looks pretty dead already. And John 19, 34 says, But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. And I'm not a health professional. I'm not sure of the significance of this, but what it showed them is that he was dead. This process of of blood separating, of of both of them coming out, showed that that he was, in fact, gone. And and it came out of him, and he, he, he died like anyone else that we know has passed. Now, there'll be a lot of people who try to convince us of a lot of things. Well, Jesus didn't really die. He just passed out. Well, there wasn't really a physical resurrection. There was a spiritual resurrection. Some will say and hold to the lie that was started by the Roman soldiers years ago. We read about it in the scriptures, how they went back and the religious leaders said, we'll pay you heavily. Just tell people that the disciples came and took the body. And those stories have existed to this day but a key piece is that jesus physically died and he physically came back to life in john chapter 20 when jesus had come back to life he appeared to the apostles and this time he appears to the apostles with thomas and he wasn't with them the first time and in verse 27 of john 20 he said to thomas put your finger here and see my hands put your Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And there is this physical piece where the apostles reached out and they embraced Jesus. They felt the scars in his hand and the scar on his side that that this was not a spiritual resurrection. It was physical. It was physical. Paul picks up on this in 1 Corinthians 15, 14. He says, If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Paul did not have in mind a spiritual resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this for him was, was the linchpin that held it all together. This was the piece of the puzzle that kept it all together was the physical resurrection of Jesus And we also see his humanity, that he was fully God, fully man, how he physically died and he physically came back to life. There's one more that I want to emphasize this morning, and that is that salvation is a free gift from God. Forgiveness, the gift of the Holy Spirit, these are free gifts from God. Romans Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Ephesians 2.8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And several, I'm sure, would like me to, to emphasize here the importance of baptism in this moment. But baptism is not what saves us. It is the death and resurrection of Jesus on the cross. And we can never earn it. We can never do enough good. We can never have correct enough theology and doctrine. 
We can never pay enough money to receive and earn and deserve this gift that God gives us. It is a free gift from God who is up in heaven and said, I just want to be in community. I just want to be in relationship with my people and my children. And so I'm going to do whatever it takes to bring them back to me. So sometimes we, we talk about God sending his son. Sometimes we talk about God stepping down out of heaven and because Jesus is God, because there is one God who exists in the Trinity, both are true that God sent his son and God came down from heaven because he loves you. and He wants to be in relationship with you. And he wants to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And he wants to give you a fresh start and a clean slate. And he cares so much about you. Not because you've earned it. Not because I deserve it. But because of the love of God. So many times, and we need to keep this in mind throughout this series, but especially today, so many times when we talk about what we believe, why we believe it, what this has a tendency of doing is building up walls instead of bringing us together. But I am convinced that when we get to heaven, every single person are going to have these basic truths in common. That this is the foundation that we all believe who call in the name of the Lord, we all have in common. That I consider you a brother and sister in Christ along with the church down the street this way, and the church down the street this way, and as long as we can agree on these basic truths who define who Jesus is, define what faith is, that it's not works, that it is a free gift from God, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. John chapter, uh, John chapter 17 Jesus is praying for unity when he says this in verse 22 to 23, that they may be, may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that, would you underline that? If you have your Bibles out, underline that, highlight that, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Now, I don't get it. There's been a lot of things in in faith and in life that I haven't understood, but the more that I have grown in my faith, the more I have seen what God's word says to be true. And if our unity between you and me, between other brothers and sisters in Christ down the street, across the globe, if our unity somehow declares to an unbelieving world that God loves them, then why aren't we pursuing unity more? This is what God has called us to as disciples, to go into the world and make disciples of all nations, to go into Jerusalem, Samaria, and Judea, and to the ends of the world. This is what we are to do as Christians, as believers, is to go and declare the love and the truth of God. And if what it takes is for us to be unified together, and this is the common ground of which I love my brothers and sisters in Christ. We live in such a divisive world where we're at each other's throats about every little thing. And I can't help but imagine what a breath of fresh air it would be if we sit down and say, you know, I'm not sure we're actually seeing eye to eye on this thing. And walk away from that conversation 
deeply, not shallow, but deeply still loving each other. What a testimony would that be to the goodness and the grace of God. Father God, we come before you and we are just so incredibly thankful for your love and your grace. Thankful that you came down, that you sent your son. God, that you didn't just stay up in heaven and try to yell at us to tell us what to do, but you came down, that you became a man, and that you showed us. You showed us what it was like to love others. Showed us who you are. Showed us your truth so that we can... So that we can know you and be known by you. God, may we leave this place and be so convinced of these truths and that this is what binds us together instead of separating us. That these are what bind us together and that we will have in common with every other person that we see in heaven one day. And may God, may may we pursue unity on this foundation. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen.